Well, as we've mentioned before, Between the Lines is pre-recorded as this episode was, and you're going to hear just a little bit of bad quality in our audio right now as I'm Zooming with my dad, who's in Jacksonville, and we're starting the book of Exodus in uh, today, actually. And since we pre-recorded, there's been, Dad, there's been a lot in the news just about Israel. Yeah, we, we want to at least say something because it, it sounds like we're ignoring it in Between the Lines, but we do want to say something because we are in prayer for the people of Israel and all that's going on there. It's awful. It's, it's, it's terrible. And I don't have the uh, geopolitical solutions to this, but I am praying for Jesus to reveal himself in a big way, not yeah. just to the Israelis, but also to the Muslims who are, who are doing the attacking. Yeah, that's right. And so we are, we are in prayer for Israel and this is something that Jesus called that this, this stuff is going to happen yeah. And, uh, so having said all of that, we'll go to our previously scheduled episode. All right. God bless. Bye. Today, we start a book of the Bible that has huge ramifications for just global history in general, mm. geopolitics yeah. at the time, but yep. it still is affecting today geopolitics. And I think, uh, honestly, when we first uh, decided, when we, or not decided, but we realized this is the book we're doing, and at first I'm thinking, oh, this is a little drier, but... In reality, and I think most people think this book is dry, but it it's not. It's it's actually there's a lot that happens in yeah, this book. Actually, I love this book. Yeah. It is the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter one. So get your Bible and follow that's, with us. That's right. Unless you're driving, then do yeah. not do that. And just listen intently. That's right. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. <laughs> and I'm Scott. And I'll get started in verse one. And we got uh 22 verses here. These are the names of the sons of Israel, that is Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father, Egypt with his family. Why did I volunteer to <laughs> start? Oh, well, it's just the 12 tribes, so it's not <laughs> oh, like... Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 right. There's just 12 sons. Yeah. yeah. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Now, would you have pronounced all those the same way? Well, I would have went fast like that, the way you did it. <laughs> uh, you know, it. I will say this, though. Um, in Israel, if you were to go to Israel today, yeah. these names are big names. Because yeah, they are. Israel is split up um, mm-hmm. in, in different areas based on these names. In fact, you will run into some people in Israel who would say, yeah, I come from the tribe of you know, Benjamin and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So these names, even though it kind of seemed like, all right, well, you know, let's just get through them. They, they still are, are around today. And some actually have towns named after them. Dan, in fact, is one of the coolest ruins that you could go to in Israel. Just unbelievable. The, the size of those walls. Yeah. And in fact, uh, your your name, your middle name, yep. which is actually Daniel, but yep. uh, you see that in, in Dan here. All right, verse five. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. So it really wasn't, you know, we talk about a nation moving to Egypt, but it was just a clan. So they went down to Egypt as a clan. They grew into a nation in Egypt. And that's why, you know, when we wonder when God said he will be their God when they came out of Egypt, that every nation had their own God and they weren't a nation before they went down there. It was like they, they did, they worshiped Yahweh. Abraham did and passed it on to his descendants, but they didn't really become a nation until they were there and enslaved. And at this point it was all just oral tradition. They didn't have written scriptures. Right. Yes. Moses is the one that wrote down, wrote uh, the Torah, which is the first five books. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. 
And of course, Joseph, who had been elite, of course, his children, grandchildren would have been favored as long as the people in power still had that view of Joseph and had appreciation for how Joseph had brought a lot of prominence to Egypt and a lot of wealth to Egypt because of what had taken place during those the plague. So um, verse 8, then eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. Some pretty cool documentaries on this that talk yeah, about- I just a, watched one. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about a major transition in the whole line of pharaohs at this time that would have led to this. Yeah. Well, actually, verse 9 is kind of where it, like he says, he said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. Yeah. There's a whole documentary on that where, mm. yes, they're they're strong in numbers, but they're- um, they believe that there was also some fear among the pharaohs that because the descendants of Jacob were monotheistic and mm. all of uh, all of Egypt was polytheistic, they worshipped many gods, that there was starting to be this a bit of a trend that the people of Israel were influencing the people of Egypt to be more monotheistic, which would take power away from the pharaohs. Yes, and there was evidence of that, uh, yeah. in fact. So the power here that we're talking about, powerful, we think in terms of military might, yeah. but it's power influence. is influence. Yeah, yeah. In, influence. In, in fact, so you may think you're not a very powerful person, but you have influence. The influence that you have with the people who are close to you, that is a major form of power, both positive and negative. Yeah. I've seen people's influence being used for wonderful things. I've also seen, in fact, recently in a very sad way, people's influence used in a very negative way that hurt people. Um, so uh, verse nine, then he said to his people, look, or verse 10, we must make then because of the power of the influence, we must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. It's interesting. <laughs> if they had that much influence and power, and if they're able to beat them in a war, why would they escape from the country? So there was this plan, of course, and that's why verse eleven. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them out with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. And we know those cities exist as well because we've got the we've got the uh, archaeological remains of those places. So, June, you want to pick up in verse 12? Yeah. It says, But the more the Egyptians oppressed them and the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. And yes, and we, we actually have that. We, we have the, again, archaeological remains of the of the of the mortar, and then eventually they're going to take out the straw, and we have evidence of that, both Mortar, brick, mortar, and bricks with straw and without. Yeah. In fact, today, you know, when um, Jewish people get together to celebrate the Passover or the Seder, mm -hmm. they will eat a meal that that symbolizes that brick and mortar yeah. that we see here. So they were ruthless in all their demands. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave his orders to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and, and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. Because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the Which midwives. Which is interesting here because you got the pagan who does not, does not honor the life of this newborn. And uh, I mean, to me, this is almost like partial birth abortion. Not to, I don't think uh, abortion is a political issue. I think it's a moral issue. I think it's a horrendous blight on our nation. 
Um, but you've got the pagans, and that's really what it is. That comes from a pagan background that doesn't have the fear of God, that does not view these babies as being created in the image it's of demonic. God. I mean, we can just put it out it that absolutely way. Abortion is. is demonic. And here we, but those that fear God say, no, we are going to keep these children alive. Yeah. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. The midwives replied. They're more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So, <laughs> so there was a time when they, it, you know, it, it's, it's funny because honesty is huge. Integrity matters. But when we're talking about saving a human life, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I think that, you, you know, of course you and Jack was sitting here and I think the rest of our staff and they, they look at me because I think I've demonstrated integrity that I tell the truth sometimes even when it's hard. But the fact of the matter is, if I've got to save your life, or if I've got to save Jack's life, or if I've got to save pretty much anybody's life, I'm willing to lie to the evildoer in order to save their life. And that's what they were doing here. Yeah. So God was good to the midwives. So you see that blessing, even though even though they stood up to the powerful Pharaoh, mm-hmm. God is blessing them. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile oh. River, but you may let the girls live. Oh. Um, and so begins the exodus out chapter, of Egypt. And chapter two gets uh, even more interesting. That's right. So we are uh, Proverbs 10 then. Proverbs 10, I, verse nine is a great verse. It says, people with integrity have firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. You know, Junior, I just came to realize uh, the other day um, that, and I think we do this continually. I think we do this with people when we are going to invest in them or share something with them that's uh, that's necessary, have a conversation. We continually are sizing up our trust in people. Yeah. And our trust in people, it settles in on trust, on, on integrity, on mm-hmm. honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think that most of us, and I, you know, I certainly do give people the benefit of the doubt and that I think initially that there's naturally a trust unless you've been burned time and again. And when a person has been burned and you know, that's why you know, their initial response to people is that you just don't trust and that you have to really earn, work hard to earn that trust. Yeah. But, they call it, they have trust issues. Yeah. So, but, but I think most people initially are willing to trust, but when there's been dishonesty, when there's been deceit, when there's been sneakiness or just evasiveness in speech, that the lack of trust causes us to just have a bit of a wall when it comes to that relationship. And this is what he is talking about here, that if you always tell the truth, of course, I just talked about, you know, I would lie to save somebody's life. That, yeah. that to me is like this extreme example. Right. And I don't think we can ever use that to say, yeah, but to do some good, I would lie. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think it's not never wrong to do right in order to get a chance. In, in, it's never right to do wrong in order to get a chance to do right. Um, here he says that you've got shaky footing if you do not live by integrity and have that reputation of integrity. It's really a tough thing for me when I come to the realization for any other person that, man, I'm, I'm afraid I don't trust that person anymore. Mm-hmm. And so a well, thing to ask ourselves, and what I have to ask myself all the time, is that 
when people are conversing with me, have I given them reason to trust me? Because I'm always going to tell the truth and I'm going to live by integrity. Yeah. Well, and like a common saying is that businesses move at the speed of trust. Mm. Churches will move at the speed of trust, yes. but marriages move at the speed of trust yeah. and parenting relationships move at the speed of trust. And so trust is a very precious, I hate to call it a currency, but it really is. Yeah. It's a currency that you build up over time. And when, as you said, when you have that moment where you're going to save yourself and, and, and not tell the truth, you spend all that currency. Mm, yeah. It's not you spend half of it. You really no. spend it all. Yeah. Something that you may have worked for a decade to gain, you can lose in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then it takes another decade to regain it. That's right. That's right. So this is a big deal. Speak the truth. It is. Be a man or woman of integrity. Focus on that today. That's right. Okay. Well, today is, it's October 10th, which is what, Tuesday. Yeah. And it is world, well, it's two. I don't understand how these two are related, but World Mental Health Day. Okay. And National Hug a Drummer Day. Hug a Drummer Day. Hug a Drummer Day. <laughs> All right. Um, well... So there you go. Yeah. Have good <laughs> mental health and hug a drummer. Yeah. God bless. You.